Welcome to HealthCast. I'm Amy Kluber. You may hear me more often on our flagship show, GovCast, but today I'm really excited to connect with a career physician to talk about a critical area in healthcare right now. This is an area where tech can make a true difference. Burnout, we all know it, and particularly in the healthcare space, burnout can mean lack of quality of care for patients. The reasons for burnout are complex and can be attributed to an ecosystem that doesn't prioritize tech modernization. You would think technology would be ubiquitous in a healthcare setting, but it isn't always. Nurses, clinicians, and other hospital staff often resort to paper-based processes or spreadsheets to manage complicated processes around staffing, which could lead to lack of transparency, lack of data transfer between systems, and frankly, just bad business. All this leading to burnout. With a passion to optimize these workforce issues in healthcare is Isio Solutions CEO and founder Arna Brock Utne to talk through best practices for government agencies to improve health services and overcome workforce challenges. But first, a quick message from our sponsor. Finding the perfect way to solve understaffing issues and balance your staff and patients is never easy. Most of us know that. Personally, I found it difficult to float staff when and where I need them, communicate with available staff to cover a shift, or to even know if I'm hitting my labor marks. Between employees calling out sick, patient admissions and discharges, skill set mix, 24-hour NHPPD, shift NHPPD, changes in nurse-to-patient ratio, and census, patient demand and staffing supply are always in flux. There's no way I could track ongoing capacity changes. But the weight of tracking all of these changes in my head lifted when I started using ISEO. ISEO's algorithm is rooted in math, like NHPPD, and also takes into account admissions, discharges, RNs doing NA skill set work, census, acuity, staff loading, sick calls, and more. The winner of the 2020 VHA Innovation Ecosystem Challenge recipient coin, ISEO is rooted from knowing that there had to be a better way to optimize staffing than printing out Excel spreadsheets and manual calculations. With over 260,000 shifts scheduled to date, ISEO gives you the ability to pinpoint exactly where you have gaps and float in staff accordingly. All of this results in less staff burnout, turnover, injuries, and illnesses. Happier nurses and better staff units provide better patient care, which can lower mortality rates, illness, medication errors, GI bleeds, ulcers, and infection rates. ISEO's simple and effective platform is easy to use, easy to learn, easy to customize, and replaces hours of walking to different units to find information you need to run your healthcare system. Plus, our customer service team is second to none, consistently communicating between customers and our developers to iterate the suggestions you have to make ISEO better for everyone. Solve your understaffing and overstaffing issues and give your healthcare facility exactly what it means. Go to www.iseo.com to schedule a free consultation with the ISEO team. That's www.issio.com and mention the GovCIO podcast. Well, Arna, welcome to HealthCast. It's great to have you on the show today. Thanks for joining me. Thanks, Amy. Great to be here. So who are you? Tell us who you are. <laughs> yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm an anesthesiologist. I, I, um, and um, I've been in the, I was in practice for about 10 years before starting, starting ISEO. Um, I encountered a lot of challenges and inefficiencies that I saw, and I believe that bringing great technology could improve efficiency, quality of care, and safety to both providers and patients while also lowering costs for health systems. And that's why I founded Odysseo in 2011. Quite an important background, especially now, given the the healthcare space and a lot of the attention it's getting lately. 
yes, it's a lot. There's a lot of stuff going on in healthcare, which is pretty exciting. I'm I'm sure we'll dig into a lot of that here in a minute. But tell us, where did the name ICO come from? What is ICO? Yeah, so I've been in the U.S. for over 30 years now, and I'm a U.S. citizen and everything. But I grew up in South Africa, and um, I had a African friend who was, you know, underprivileged and obviously during the apartheid era, didn't have the same access to care that others had, and this sort of uh, sort of echoes my foundational belief that healthcare is a human right, and every society should strive to ensure that. Um, that people get the best possible care that they can. I think technology can play a huge role in that, and certainly in hospitals and health systems. And I think that's an area which has not been really enhanced upon and can be in a big way. There's so many. That That's a pretty heavy mission, I guess, and, and a pretty call, uh, strong calling to this industry overall. Is that why you got interested in the healthcare space to begin with? Uh, I think so. Maybe that's kind of why I went to medical school, but I felt like I could have a lot more impact in with technology and the power of, uh, you know, software as a service, cloud computing, and the ability to really know what's happening in real time and, and predictively and predictive analytics and all these kinds of things, which can really help uh, optimize care and efficiency. Can you outline what some of the challenges that are out there right now in healthcare are, you know, coming off the heels of a pandemic and all the opportunities there for the technology, as you kind of cited to, what are some of the challenges? Sure. I mean, there's a lot of challenges in healthcare, as everyone knows. I think the number one problem we had during the pandemic was workforce challenges. We saw that throughout was kind of in the news every day almost. And uh, I think that um, the main problem is understaffing, and understaffing has profound impacts on not only staff, but certainly patients as well. There's a lot of data showing there's higher mortality for patients with understaffing, higher morbidity, falls, infections, uh, medication errors, all these kind of things. And I look at this as in a health system as really a technology problem because people are managing this this um, health system, these health systems with pen and paper and Excel spreadsheets and antiquated payroll systems, right? And you're thinking about a health system has, is a very, very dynamic system where you've got patients who have got changes in acuity levels, admissions, discharges. And on the, on the staff side, you've got people who are you know, um, showing up late or calling in sick or people have got different skill sets and things. And you really need a system that can show you what's happening in real time and predictively in a health system, especially when you're managing, you know, 30, 40 inpatient units. You can think about a health system as really being like an air traffic control system. And with these planes are like units. And it's almost like if we were running air traffic control with just um, maps and binoculars, things wouldn't go very well. And I look at the same thing as in health systems where we're using this old technology to manage a highly dynamic system and we need technology. And, and software as a service, cloud computing is an amazing tool to be able to do this in this, in this workspace. It's, it's kind of amazing when you think about it. And, and I like what you said there about air traffic control, because um, that's an interesting way of putting it. Yeah. When you think about healthcare and a lot of the technology out there right now is really patient-based. It's more like, how do we cure disease? How do we treat diseases? How do we oh, yeah. give care? But I guess you, no one really thinks about the behind the scenes air traffic control 
component there that technology can really thrive. Right, for sure. It's massive. And you're right. There's a lot of stuff going on and like, you know, AI around um, medical records. And, and that's also a bit of like improving care, but also like improving revenue. Like, oh, how can we make sure the doctors code for everything, right? Which is like, Istio is not a revenue we don't like, we're not involved in trying to get more money out of patients. That's not what we do, right? We improve quality of care, safety, efficiency. That's what we're, that's kind of why VA has been an amazing partner for us. And um, I think, you know, another thing that people don't really talk about much is cybersecurity and making sure your product's available, reliable, and secure. And, um, you know, since we've been involved with VA since 2020, uh, we've uh, met the FedRAMP security requirements and we've been granted an ATO, which has been really exciting for us and we've learned a ton from that experience and it's really it's a great thing to be that's amazing especially when you're thinking about making an impact and what better way to make an impact by offering some of this service and technology in the public space and to a federal agency and something as impactful as va too yeah, it's 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 really it's really an honor to be able to work with uh, VA. Everyone on our team is just very feels really privileged to work with with VA, uh, and it's a great, very very innovative organization. A lot more than I think any other health system in the in the country, which is fun. Definitely, there's there's so many. I mean, it's the largest integrated healthcare system, and there's a lot of programs that they're working on to include all those backbones. Yeah, and I, th- and I think also technology really help VA. Like if you think about the VA, 179 health systems, like right now a lot of technology is on-premises and, and they're sort of extracting data into central warehouses where a SaaS system, software as a service, you can aggregate data in real time and know what's happening, not only in an individual health system, but in an entire vision, right? Over multiple health systems, for example, patient disposition. Where do we put patients? Well, you need to know what's happening with staffing, how many staff you have in each individual unit, and you need to know what's happening six hours, 12 hours upstream. You, If you just know, oh, I think we had you know, beds were available four hours ago at eight o'clock when we checked. Things have changed dramatically in four hours. Things change dramatically on an hour by hour basis. We've shown some of our data that, you know, a health system could change, bed availability can change by as much as 10, 15% in one hour, which is a huge amount based on staffing. Huge, right? So if you've got a, if you've got a like a system like VA with 40,000 beds, the bed availability could change by 6,000 beds in one hour to change a shift, which is an insane amount, right? And that has impact for patient disposition and, and staffing and turnover and burnout and expenses and all these different things, right? Which we're all, we're, you know, we all want to improve upon. Now, as an anesthesiologist yourself, What's your perspective in this space, you know, as someone who's had to work with the tech and managing staff, where have you seen the ability for technology to really make meaningful impacts? I think that's, you know, um, technology, as we've mentioned, has been used very effectively over the last few years in remote care, using different tools to track patients' blood pressures and EKGs, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I think, but it really hasn't been leveraged very much in the hospital, like I said, on in workforce. And I think um, 
that's in a really exciting space right now because the everyone the, we need hospitals right people end up in hospitals for sure it's not everything's not always remote and we need technology that can help this because it's so dynamic and and the technology they're using right now is very old i mean i've I, I talked to some health systems and they're managing 80 units across five, five, six hospitals. And there is, um, they're using it on pen and paper and Excel spreadsheets trying to manage that. And it's insane. If you can't, we can't keep doing this, right? That just doesn't make any sense. Yeah. And when going back to my earlier point about some of the innovative uh, tech underway to make meaningful impacts in health, um, it's kind of crazy to think about that a lot of organizations are still using pen and paper alongside some of this innovative tech. Yeah, certainly for managing managing staff. I mean, if they are using, I've seen health systems, you know, taking a payroll system, they've got a schedule and they're printing out the schedule, 12 pages, a paper. <laughs> and they're like, okay, now they're trying to manage 30 different units from these printouts of where staff are and where patients are and you've got admissions and discharges you've got changes in acuity you've got people showing calling in sick we've got people showing up late and these things all impact quality of care and even if you know if a patient ex is exposed to one understaffed shift there's data showing they have a four to seven percent higher chance of 30-day mortality that's huge right if you did a procedure that was like four to five seven percent higher mortality because you did x you wouldn't do x anymore great points so that's why we're here so taking into account uh, this uh, software and technology at ICO, what goes into that? Walk us through kind of what that looks like. What, you know, when a clinician is using this software, what does that look like? And how does that translate to the, the patient in the end? When you're thinking about technology and healthcare, and certainly when you're dealing with people who are like charge nurses and nurses and managers who are extremely busy people, you have to have technology that's fast, easy to use, easy to learn, right? And so it has to be, someone has to be super self-explanatory. They log in, boom, takes them to the right place, minimal clicks, that's what I do, boom, 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 right? Super easy because these people are very, very busy. I've lived and breathed healthcare, obviously, and I know what it's like. If you've got some frustrating technology, people are not gonna use it. That's point number one. It's gotta be really good to use and the customer support has to be awesome. Like I've seen horrendous customer support from technology in health systems, right? And I think anyone who's been in a health system and has dealt with that knows what I'm talking about. That's not gonna be a surprise for anybody. So that's the difference with us is like great customer support, great engineering that works, right? So that's another thing you need to get the data. So it needs to be easy to use. Then from that, once you have the data, you can do a lot of mathematics in real time. And so using like nursing hours per patient day, acuity. So if you think about that, each unit has a different nursing hours patient per patient day that they need to hit a specific target and the number of a skill set mix. So an ICU is going to have a different level of number of nurses than an extended care unit, right? And so you have to incorporate that has to be part of the mathematics plus the changing acuities. And, and what is your supply number of nurses? What is those skill sets of the nurses that are coming in? Are they RNs? Are they LVNs? Are they NAs? Are there any other techs that are helping out? And how does that fix the mathematics so you've got a great, so it actually matches? And also, what does it look like six hours in the future? What does it look like across the next shift? All those type of things. Fantastic. So definitely a lot of data visibility and transparency as well that plays into that. 
yeah, the data is incredibly complex. You can't do this in your head. You can't have a consultant do it for you. You can't have an Excel spreadsheet do it or a piece of paper. It's very, very complex. And things are continually dynamic, continually changing. And that's I'm not saying that. I've, we've got data that proves that, right? Very profound data. And we're going to be actually publishing some research on this in the next few months. So that'll be fun to do. Oh, fantastic. I will definitely have to keep out an eye on that. So backing up a little bit into uh, more of how this plays out into a public agency or government agency environment, as we know, is very bureaucratic and oftentimes very slow. And there's just a lot of moving parts with uh, legacy systems. So what, in your view, has been some of the hurdles in the public space or roadblocks for an agency to get moving into adopting some of these, you know, solutions? Yeah, well, I think, you know, primarily, firstly, uh, an agency needs to know that they can use the technology because if they, if it's a technology that's not been approved, then that's going to be a two, four, five year process, right? So, um, you know, ICO meets all the security requirements for FedRAMP and is has an ATO with, with VA. So we sort of check that box there. I think beyond that, you've got to think about, um, you know, there's obviously inertia. People are used to doing the way they, we've been doing this for 30 years. Why should we change, right? So you know, there's an education level, like this is why you should change. And this is how it can help you. And how can it help everyone in the stack of people touching their technology? How does it help the nurses? How does it help the managers? How does it help the charge nurses? And the the the, the nursing supervisors, command centers, CDU leadership, you've got to really speak to all those people to show them how to help. Then the technology has to be really easy to use. As I said before, um, it's got to be, customer support has to be outstanding and the engineering responsiveness as well. So you, it needs to be super configurable. So we're not giving you a technology that's in a box and like here, you can you configure your processes to our technology. No, it's going to be the other way around. Technology has to configure to your processes. So that's one of the things, the beauty of a software as a service system, which is highly configurable, is we can configure it to whatever that environment be. It doesn't have to be health healthcare. It can be other types of workforce, right? And we love listening to challenges that people are having and seeing how we can solve those problems. That's like the fun part for me. It's like, what is the problem? How do we build a beautiful, elegant solution that solves those problems? And that's really fun for engineers too. Um, and that's like, that's the joy of the business, right? Why I love doing what I do. Wow, that's amazing. Is there any best practices that you've noticed as you're communicating with, you know, your partners? Are there any best practices to how to make some meaningful impact in those cultural challenges there and the workforce adoption? Yeah, I think that um, people need to sort of like, I think in a way people just kind of need to look in the mirror, look at like, what are we doing right now? How are we doing that? And 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 look at the data on understaffing and and their uh, cybersecurity of their system and workforce and realize that workforce is like a huge expense for an agency and for any health system, right? And um, we need technology that can, that can, improve that and enhance that and make things more efficient and improve the situation for staff because 
you have a turnover of a nurse, that's forty dollars to $100,000, right? If you're talking about, if you've got a large agency and you've got a 10% um, turnover rate, you could be talking about billions of dollars that you're spending on turnover every year. So if we can knock that back a few percentage points by providing an outstanding system where nurses are not understaffed, they never, because that's the number one reason for turnover and burnout. People are, they feel out of control. They don't have control of their environment. They feel understaffed. They, they're quite frankly, you know, scared to go to work because like, well, what's my license? What's going to be impact on my license, right? I'm going to be in a situation where I'm taking care of 10 patients and what if there's a bad outcome, right? Um, so we've got to protect our staff from that and as well as that it's obviously the patients right um would you want your loved one to be on the units in your health system when there's understaffing and i think the answer to that is probably no no one will want a situation like where they when their loved ones on a situation where they're understaffing and unfortunately a lot of the health systems they just don't know what's going on in their health system right i mean i talked to one health system they didn't even know how many inpatient units they have let alone what was actually happening in those inpatient units? How could they? They're on pen and paper. <laughs> yeah, like you've got 80 units approximately. And what is happening? Like, what is your, what's the census like on those units? Mm, I'd have to call someone to find out. What is your staffing like at those units? I don't know. I would need to call those units. We get in a check-in at the shift change. Well, it's really upsetting for me in many ways because I'm like, oh my goodness, what is up with those patients on those units? Like what's happening there? Because it stresses me out. Those patients are could be in an understaffed situation that's raising their mortality, morbidity, et cetera. And also it's the staff, right? What's happening to those people? Are they understaffed and struggling? So that's sort of, for me, it, it drives me uh, every day. Wow. I definitely hear the passion there. And the it's interesting to hear, you know, all the opportunities out there that exist now that maybe others or, or organizations aren't aware of, or just don't know how to adopt it into their organization. Right. So, you know, looking into the net in the future in the next few years, what are you, is there anything in particular that you're looking forward to in the healthcare space in health IT overall, even beyond maybe solving some of these workforce challenges? Well, I think it's a super exciting time in health IT, a lot of stuff going on. And like I said, of course, in the remote care side of things, and also like a lot of things, good things with AI, we've been involved in uh, AI Med, which is a great organization. And um, we, and that's the very exciting thing because a lot of people are looking for innovative, new innovative technologies. They're not sort of stuck in their ways. They know that there's challenges and things need to be improved. So I'm excited, really excited about that. Um, I think people haven't thought much about the operations and leveraging the latest and greatest in technology to solve the operating operations challenges. Um, but I think people should look at that because like as I said, in a health system, that's a number one cost and people are really important. It's not only your employees, but also your patients, right? Those are your main things. And 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 people are still going to still going to get admitted to hospitals, right? People um, it's it so that needs to really be sorted out. Fantastic. So where can we direct anyone who's listening who wants to find out more about this or dig into maybe some of the more details of how this works or the context behind it? Where can people check out more information about ICO? 
Right. So we are, um, we've got a website, of course, seo.com, I-S-S-I-O.com. We're active on social media. And also, if you want to, you can contact us there directly through the website. We'd be happy to meet with you, find out about your health system or your agency or what your challenges are. We are also co-hosting a webinar with our federal partner, Ironbow Technologies, which we're really excited about on November 2nd and 3rd. You can RSVP through LinkedIn, through our LinkedIn page. And uh, that's going to be really fun because we're going to show everybody on over two days how the product works from on the day one is going to be about managers and nurses and charge nurses. And then day two is more about, you know, hey, command centers and nursing supervisors and senior leadership data analytics. How do we, how do you look at an entire health system in real time and predictably, but also retrospectively, like what is your workforce look like? Where do you need to recruit for? Where do you need to hire for? How do you need to like move your staff around so things are things are as efficient as possible? Fantastic. So uh, the webinar and as well as the report that you mentioned coming out, so lots to look out for that I will be keeping my eyes open for. So it was, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Um, some of the context here that something we don't really think about all the time is the the burnout that happens and how technology can alleviate that and how that impacts patients. It's it's something really uh, important. And thank you for sharing this information. You're welcome. Thank you very much for having me. HealthCast along with GovCast and CyberCast is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them in your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at gcio.com.